first, I, I was very scared, but like everything in life, you know, you're given information and like you're the way you react to the information, like that, you know, no matter how you react, it, it's happening to you. If I'm high, I just feel like, like my mood, I'm just, I don't feel like myself when I'm high. I feel like, and I tried to explain this to my endocrinologist before, like, I just feel like more annoyed by everything. Like if my kids are being really loud, I'm like, guys, please. <laughs> um, so I try to like, not talk, <laughs> like take care of, like give myself insulin, move my body a little. Like we have stairs in our house, so I'll run up and down a few times or do jumping jacks or something. Like my goal is to like get my blood sugar back to normal, drink a lot of water. Welcome back. This is episode number 101 of the Two Type Ones podcast. As always, before we get started, please remember that nothing that you hear on the Two Type Ones podcast should be considered medical advice or otherwise. Please always consult your medical team before making any changes to your diabetes management. Also, please remember to like, subscribe on any platform that you listen to the podcast on. We really appreciate all the support everyone's giving us week by week as you listen week by week. Also, don't forget to leave us a five-star review. Leave us an actual written review. Uh, most of the podcast platforms don't allow you to leave a written review. Uh, I believe Apple Podcast is one of uh, the uh, only ones that really allows you to write a written review but we're really trying to push on apple podcast and spotify so really appreciate if you leave us a five-star review and if you're able to make sure you leave that um, written review and just tell us how you like the show do you like it do you not like it is there something we could be doing better um is there something specific you want us to hear or you want to hear us talk about we'd love to uh, get your thoughts. And as an added bonus, if you guys listened to last episode, Graham and I are launching a Ask Us Whatever You Want series. How this is going to work is we're going to give probably the next couple weeks um, for you guys to email us some questions. Any questions that you have about diabetes, email it to us. We're going to pick two Maybe three questions, depending on how long the questions are and how long our answers are going to be. And we're going to talk about those at the beginning of each episode. So send us an email at the two type ones podcast at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on Instagram, simplifying life with diabetes. Send us a message, and your question might be picked to talk about on the next episode. Okay, now that that's out of the way, let's dive into today's episode. We had that amazing pleasure again of sitting down with another incredible diabetic. She's a type one, a mother of three, a fiance, congrats girl, a teacher, an entrepreneur, and an author. We discuss how Stephanie has navigated diabetes over her life, the early days, how she manages diabetes with three kids and working as a teacher, and as an added bonus, if you're currently expecting or are thinking about bringing life into this world, Stephanie gives us 
her perspective on how she navigated diabetes while pregnant. Every person that we bring on this show opens my eyes to how different we all are and how strong this community is. Stephanie is another great reminder of this and how strong our community is together. Now, without further ado, let's get with Stephanie. Um, so I go by Thriving Diabetic on Instagram. My name is Stephanie. Um, I was diagnosed in the fall of, um, I put it in my notes, of 1999. So I was 12 years old at the time. And the doctor I saw, um, it was funny looking back, but not at the same time. She thought I was fine when my mom brought her in, brought me in. My mom was like, you know, my daughter lost a lot of weight. And she's like, yeah, but she's a normal weight. She looks great to me, you know, but looking at someone and then really hearing their symptoms are two totally different things. So I was actually sent home <laughs> when I couldn't even go to school because I felt so weak. Yeah. So you know, looking back, I'm like, wow, like I could have, I could have died. My blood sugar was through the roof. I think they didn't even know the number. It was like over 800 or something. Holy moly. They didn't know like what exactly it was. <laughs> so this was, your, this was like your pediatrician or your family practitioner? Yeah. Pediatrician. Yeah. Um, she just thought I was fine because of the weight. But, you know, we have to really listen to parents and get the whole story instead of just being dismissive if you're a medical professional. But um, at the time, my mom was really persistent and she kept calling back the office. And then we finally got the results. And the doctor was like, oh, you guys need to go to the hospital right away. Yeah. Um, so I was diagnosed at CHOP. It's Children's Hospital of Philadelphia. Um, so yeah, in a nutshell, that's my diagnosis story. How um, long was that time frame from the time that you first went to when you went to the hospital? Was it like a couple think, days or? No, I think it was about a week. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, I just kept telling my mom, like, I can't go to school. And I remember clearly being in my kitchen and you guys probably have experienced this or your child has um, having like just a thirst that can't be met. Like you're just so thirsty. I remember standing at the fridge, chugging a gallon of skim milk, like, Oh, this is the best milk ever. Like yeah. I couldn't get enough. I would yeah. like stand there and chug the gallon. Like I couldn't get enough. And my parents were like, this is so weird. What are you doing? Yeah. In the week before you were admitted, what was the, what did your parents believe? What did the doctors, what was the, what were they thinking? It could have been. Well, we didn't know anything about diabetes. My parents had no idea. I think my mom started reading um, about different, um, she like looked up symptoms and was reading different things, you know, on her computer and through books. So my mom kind of suspected diabetes, um, but she wasn't sure, of course, because we didn't know anyone who had type 1 diabetes. 
Um, and my dad, I don't think he wanted to think anything. Yeah. You know, as a parent, you're like, nah, my child's fine. Especially your little girl, right? Being sure. someone that, being a guy that has two young little girls, like, yeah. yeah. And and did you have siblings? Yes, I have a younger sister. She's two years younger than me, so um, she doesn't have diabetes. Um, and we didn't know anyone who had it. So, um, like me and a lot of children who are diagnosed or adults, like if you don't know anyone who has it, you're like, what's going on with me? Like it was really puzzling. I just thought I was dying. Like. <laughs> I just remember not saying, mom, I, I can't go to school today. Like I want to, but I can't. And I just wanted to sleep and drink a lot of fluids. So, yeah. hmm. um, but now like having diabetes for what, 22 years, I feel like I can finally accept what happened. Like it took me a long, long, long time to accept diabetes and um, now that I have kids, you know, I'm an adult, <laughs> uh, I can finally accept um, diabetes as part of me. And uh, yeah, so I feel like I'm kind of on the other side of things. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, we always end up asking people this question who go to, to a children's hospital. Did you, were you admitted and did you stay for a while? And was it a positive experience for you that you remember? So at first I I was very scared, but like everything in life, you know, you're given information and like you're the way you react to the information, like that, you know, no matter how you react, it, it's happening to you. So they told me what was going on with my body they showed me how to give a needle. I think they use like an orange or a ball. So mm. they were showing me different things. They talked about like how I should eat. And in my mind as a 12 year old, I was like, I'm just going to eat what I want. Like yeah. I had my own opinions as a 12 year old, Yeah, probably very strong ones. <laughs> but I, I remember them trying to educate me, but I think at my age, I just kind of block some of it out, if that makes sense. But I do remember them very specifically showing me how to shoot the needle into me. Um, we had like an art room I remember going to where I met some other kids who were diagnosed with other chronic illnesses. So that was eye-opening for me as well because I thought, wow, there's so many different things that I could have been diagnosed with. I had no idea there were so many chronic illnesses and cancers out there. And I, I felt lucky in a way, like I have this hospital and I have all these people trying to help me. But at the same time, I think it was shocking. Um, and it was also shocking to my family, but yes, the children's hospital was awesome. And they did try to educate me on nutrition and how to manage my diabetes. Yeah. The, the interesting piece about this is, but I, I love these conversations because it gives us perspective on how many people went through different things when they were first diagnosed, right? Yeah. You and Graham were fortunate enough to go to the hospital. 
I wasn't. I, I was in the same position that you were in with your family care practitioner, gave me my sugar levels was over 450. They gave me a, a glucose monitor, an insulin pen, fast acting, slow acting. This is how many units we want you to take. Okay, goodbye. And like I literally had to figure out everything on my own. And there's so many people that are in that situation, but then also get pushed to the to the right steps and the right things. And I think about someone like you who was 12 years old, emotionally not in the place to be able to learn everything right now within three or four days that you need to do to be successful. Um, how was that? You kind of, I think you kind of mentioned this, but how was all of that in that first three to four days when you're at the hospital with your parents? Were they still kind of like, I can't believe this is happening. We don't know what's going on. Or were they like locked in and like, we have to learn to become this caregiver for our young daughter? Um, I don't want to call out my parents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, my mom was totally on board. I think my dad had a bit more trouble. Yeah. Um, he was kind of like, she's got this. Um, cause I was, it, it matures you, right. Cause mm, absolutely. Like, this is your illness. Like yeah, absolutely. you better listen and figure it out. So I think I just kind of had to take that on myself. Um, and I don't think that there's ever enough time when a child is diagnosed, like there's no set time frame where someone has to learn something. It's a yeah. lifelong Yep. Learning journey. Absolutely. I'm still learning. Like today, my blood sugars were running high. Now I'm not getting data, but um, like we're always learning new things. And when doctors are like, okay, this is a carb ratio and this is your basal insulin or this is your long term insulin, like that's going to change a million times in your life. And <laughs> like they don't tell you that. They're just like, yeah. okay, like here's long-term insulin and you're going to use this much. And then like one day it's going to stop working. <laughs> yeah. Like, no, what? Yeah. Like, I have to change things. What? Yeah. So yeah, we have to be very flexible as people living with diabetes and just kind of like go with the flow, listen to our bodies and all that comes with learning. Yeah. I, I like to refer it to as this different stages of life because especially for a young female, when you get it, you're in that position of you're starting your period, you're starting your, all of the hormonal stuff is starting to really change and take shape and, and adding that process with a, I'm a guy, I have, I have no under, like, I don't have a lot of understanding or, or direct experience with what that is even like. I just know what I've learned and what I've, and what I've seen. And now adding this diabetes thing onto that, that that's crazy to me. And then however long it took you to figure out what was working, whether it was two years, three years, four years, whatever it is, now you graduate from high school and you go into college. That's another different stage of life. Now you go from that position to getting out of college, getting into the workforce, you're a teacher, right? That's a whole other stage of life. How's things going to work now that I am up at a certain time every single day, working with kids, being stressed out with that, like all that type of stuff. And then now I'm getting married. Now I'm having kids. Like it's so crazy to me because 
one thing that you alluded to, which I'm so glad that you did, is like when we're getting these diagnoses or we're, we're ta- being told like, here's our carb ratio or this is what you need to do here. This is how this works. And they they talk to us sometimes like it's a black and white thing. And it's not. It, it is an it, it is an evolutionary process that's always going to change. And I love that you said that. Yeah. And not just like with insulin, but like how we eat will change too. And there's no one way. It's funny to me, like a lot of people on Instagram or Facebook, they're like, eat high carb, eat low carb. It's like, no, everyone has, you know, the freedom to eat how they want to eat. And what works for you is not going to work for me and so on and so forth. So yeah. uh, If one piece of advice that someone could get out of this conversation would be find what works for you. And I think we all have to do that. Yeah. I love that. I love that. Stephanie back in 1999, do you remember what was the, what was the big topic of conversation in the world of diabetes? Well, I go ahead. I do remember my one doctor telling me like, even though you're diagnosed today with type one diabetes, like you're going to have a cure in your lifetime. And I was thinking as a 12 year old, like, I don't think so because I think that it's all about money. And I just, if it's all about money at 12 years old, I love it. Will it ever get out? Like, will the cure ever get out? Because all these corporations are going to make money off of these people. And I feel like I still believe that today. Yeah. Well, that was very like a slap in the face. Like, totally. And, and we, we just talked to JDRF, a friend of ours, Aaron, and we okay. asked him that question because it's, there's two things happening at all times. It's the stability of diabetes and making it work with technology. And then there's the other train of thought that's a cure. And some people for the last 40 years were meeting diabetics. It doesn't matter when they were diagnosed. They were fed the exact same story, that exact same tale of the cure, the cure, the cure. So, And the interesting piece about this cure is I, I, because I pay so much attention and even now having this conversation with our guest last week, um, stem cells is a real thing. And they're already doing this right now with this research coming out with stem cell technology. Um, and even Aaron last week was saying like, I, he even thinks that a cure is close, maybe with even within the next 10 to 20 years, but it's not going to be a cure for everyone. Only certain people... Yeah, only certain people are going to be able to have this mm-hmm. this so-called stem cell cure because of how how long they've been diagnosed, what the um, reality is of how their body's actually functioning. Do they have any beta cell function still? Like all of these things are going to go into like if you're going to be eligible for the stem cell stuff. So I think that this whole thought process of a cure is, is a great thought process to have, but we can't hang our hats on that because we, we don't know when it's going to happen. And we don't, and also we don't know of the ramifications of that because any technology that first comes out is not going to be like amazing. So that's something that I always think about. And, and as he also said, it's not a one and done. It's, you don't go in and get a, an, you know, you're injected with something and you go home and you're completely cleared cured. It takes maintenance and, and therapy and things like that. So 
Yeah, it's going to be right now. There's some really good research going on with trials of people that are, are basically cured, but they have to have a, a treatment every single month. Wow. That becomes expensive. That becomes daunting. That's like, you know, we think about diabetic burnout, that that's going to be a thing with that. Like, um, so there's a, there's a lot of other psychological things that I think about with this that, um, that are very important to think about. Did, did you go straight onto a pump back in 1999? I did. So I, I think it was like my second or third appointment. Um, I guess I was very receptive to the doctor and they believed I could handle it. Good for you. Good for (laughs) you. They threw me on a Medtronic pump. I'm still on one today. Wow. Um, Tethered? Oh, (laughs) I'm tethered. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but I actually, people always ask this on Instagram. They're like, why are you on a Dexcom if it doesn't speak to your pump and blah, blah, blah. But I had a friend, um, one of my first diabetic friends that I met, um, he had a Dexcom and I just thought it seemed so simple and easy. Um, so I'm willing to look through my data and then make adjustments on my own. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that until I got a pump that speaks to my CGM. But the Medtronic CGM didn't work for me. So, mm-hmm. unfortunately, I think it, it, Medtronic's a great a great company, and they were the they were one of the first technology companies in the diabetic pump business. Um, but one thing I think that's holding them back is they're trying to do everything at once, and Dexcom is overtaking everybody because even I would even argue. And I, I, this is my personal opinion. I would even argue that Dexcom is taking over Libre, even though Libre has become very, very popular, especially for the younger crowd that's first getting diagnosed. Um, but Dexcom only does Dexcom. They don't do anything else. And Libre is made by Abbott, which Abbott is a supplement company. So you, when you have all of these other hands and things, like there's a recipe for, for you know, being behind the times and unfortunately i think that that's what's happening to medtronic i still think they, they have a great technology they have a great pump they're going to get there if they keep pushing their message and keep pushing everything um but the, unfortunately i have heard a lot about the inaccuracy or just troubleshooting or trouble things with the medtronic cgm with the medtronic pump yeah. and now that dexcom is partnering too with omnipod now, Omnipod and t- and Tandem are both going to be the primary sources of this control, not control IQ because that's Tandem's thing, but you know, closed loop system, I guess you could say. So it's just it's very interesting to watch these technology companies because the, I think the technology part is what's going to help us all stay alive, stay healthy, and thrive with diabetes. Sure. I agree. Um, I did hear that Tandem uh, can have a closed loop system with Dexcom. They do. They do. Yeah, they're the first ones that have done it. And Omnipod's, uh, Omnipod's probably maybe twelve to twenty. I don't want to talk speak for them, but I think they're twelve to twenty four months out outside of that window to be able to do a closed loop system with Dexcom. But um, we did a we recorded a really good conversation with Tandem. It hasn't been released yet. Um, about control IQ, about their closed loop system. And I didn't realize how long it's actually been in uh, development. Mm-hmm. 
the lady that we talked to, um, it's just amazing, amazing researcher. And she was one of the first people that was part of this control IQ thing. And, uh, it, I use it. I have the T slim and the Dexcom and it, it is fantastic. Like it literally allows me to take my hands away from almost everything, all decision-making processes. Instead of making a hundred decisions a day, I only have to make half that because it, it does do a lot of the work for you. So you said you had it. What are you using currently? I have the T-Slim now. I haven't had the Dexcom for the past 12 weeks because of change of insurance, change of endos, change of supply companies. So I'm through this all this bullcrap processes of getting all of that back in order. I think we're close, but um yeah, I'm I'm going on 12 weeks without having without being able to use the Dexcom and it's driving me crazy. My numbers have been all over the place. I mean, That is something so important. I was actually just on the phone with insurance because I got a bill from my endo, like a crazy bill. And she was like, even if you didn't have insurance, your bill wouldn't be that high. But I'm like, but I have insurance and it's on the bill. So like all these insurance things, like I wish they just, all insurance companies realize like type one means like forever. Yeah. But that's what they Why? love because they know they're going to get money forever. <laughs> forever, yes. Yeah. S- Stephanie, do you remember if your Medtronic hooking it up required a hospital visit, a hospital stay of, of its own? No, it did not. Okay. I, I, I got a box in the mail and I had to see someone to train me, which was like a two, three hour maybe training. That was it. That was it. Interesting. So basically, it's like train yourself. <laughs> Did a, uh, and uh, you didn't have a rep come out to your house or anything like that? Um, I had to go to her house. Um, but I do remember the training. I remembered, I learned a lot. She was a great woman. It just seemed like way too quick. And like I was young, I didn't really know what I was doing. I probably kept the same settings until I was in my 20s. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't. I don't know. And I just remember at all my endocrinologist appointments getting yelled at for my terrible blood sugars. And, you know, this guilt comes with that. And Mm -hmm. um, so I think that definitely affected, you know, me like accepting diabetes Mm -hmm. and embracing diabetes, whatever you want to call it. Um, Because I wasn't, I didn't go and educate myself. Um, And you kind of have to having diabetes because so much ever there's so many things that affect our blood sugar. Yeah. I, I recently had a, Oh my gosh, I forgot about that moment. Mm -hmm. I was admitted to the hospital when I got my Dexcom on, they required, and I don't know if it was from my endo or from Medtronic, but they required, I think it, believe it or not, it was two nights over in children's and they had a rep come out to my house and do follow-ups. And I mean, I established a relationship with her. So absolute shout out to Medtronic. So wow. Medtronic yeah. or Dexcom? Yeah. No, Medtronic. This was yeah. back. This was oh, back when you were on a pump. When, you when I was a on pump. a pump. Yeah. This yeah, was yeah. back in like 2005, 2006. So yeah. That's yeah. Yeah. Uh, Stephanie, mm-hmm. change this topic a little bit. Define diabetic friend to you. You you said that. What is a diabetic friend to you? What is that? What does a diabetic <laughs> friend mean? What does that mean to you? Because that's a huge topic that we love to 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 hit on. So oh, I don't know. Like 
Okay, so I never had one. <laughs> and then um, I guess being on social media, finally, I saw other people who had type 1 diabetes. And I was just like, whoa, there's a lot of us. This is crazy. <laughs> and um, one of my friends, um, he was like, yeah, I'm going to be in Philly. I have type 1 diabetes, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, we should meet up and like go get water ice. And we met up, we got water ice. He had a Dexcom and I was like, that's so cool. I want a Dexcom now. Like I had no idea what a CGM really was. I heard doctors like mention it, but I never um, like went through with exploring what a CGM was and hearing like how you could see the data on your phone. And I started to get excited and do research and learn more. So a friend is just someone who has diabetes and they're giving you, you know, research and kind of opening your eyes up to things that you never even knew existed. It was really cool. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> so, and now I feel like I have a lot of friends through social media and I always tell everyone, like, I am not a social media person. Like I don't love to spend a lot of time on there. Um, but I like to post like things that I learned or things that help me. And sometimes I'll look at other people giving like tips and tricks and information like you guys. And it just, it makes you feel like you're not alone. Like you have a community. Yeah. It yeah. can be over. It can be overwhelming at times, even like, oh my gosh, there's so much to think about. Right. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so did people, when you, I mean, you were 12 years old with diabetes, nobody in your community knew you had diabetes. Nobody over the years said, Hey, my little brother, nothing, nothing like that. Well, in high school, there was one boy, but he was really cool. And I wasn't. <laughs> so we would go to the nurse and check our blood sugar. So I went to a really large high school, but only one, one person had, wow. I think he was like, a senior when I was a freshman or sophomore. So I didn't really have a relationship with him. Um, I just remember always having to go to the nurse and always feeling like disappointed, like, Oh, it's high again. Mm -hmm. Oh, well, like, what do I do? This is my life. Um, yeah. So I think, yeah, like I just wasn't interested in like sharing that part of me and yeah. Hey, are there more people in our community? Like I wasn't that outgoing type person, mm -hmm. but if I was, maybe I would have, you know, had friends. I, I was going to, I was going to make a joking question, but it has truth to it. Okay. I was going to say, was he cool or did he make diabetes look cool? Because <laughs> I prefer to think that I did the latter in, in my life where, you okay. know, I might not be and this is a really blunt thing to say, I might not be comfortable asking a bunch of girls out on a date, but I'm very comfortable talking about my diabetes. Sure. Um, so, I don't know. I don't know the answer to that. It's okay. I haven't met. I don't, Ken, I don't think we've had a lot of personalities like this, you know, mm. what do you think? Ken? I, I mean, yeah, I just, I think that um, in, in, in her perspective of what she's saying, it's interesting because I think some people say they're outgoing, even though they're really not. Right. So w when I think about this and I think about what is, what actually is outgoing, right. 
Um, I don't think about the person that's the the jock that's super popular. Like I think about the person that isn't afraid to talk to people. That person that's not afraid to go and ask questions. The person that's not afraid to do that stuff because that that's someone that's outgoing. Someone not afraid to not necessarily put themselves out there, but you know, go and meet up with people that maybe need help. That's what I think about. And I definitely wouldn't have said that 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, Maybe that's just my perspective because of the type of profession I'm in now and what I see throughout social media, see in these amazing interviews, see like with the people I work work with at the gym. Um, So it's interesting to hear your perspective, Stephanie, of that. Yeah, I mean, if I was in high school now, I probably would be like, hey, what are you using? Blah, blah, blah. But mm-hmm. I mean, looking back, I only had like a small group of friends and same in college. Like I, I tend to just stick with a few people rather than be friends with a crowd. Um, and I didn't know anyone in my college with um, who was living with type one diabetes either. Um, it really wasn't until a, a couple years ago. Hmm. So it's crazy. Nice. Oh, and actually, um, in my job, I've been teaching in Philadelphia for five years. So I started wearing, you know, my Dexcom on my arm and things. And then people actually started to talk to me like, what is that? Oh, uh, he's diabetic. Too. He has diabetes. And I'm yep. like, no way. Like I worked yeah. with him for four years. Yeah. <laughs> so actually, I work with two type one diabetics now. That's awesome. <laughs> funny <laughs> did did you then make a conscious decision to create a social media platform and release a pic i mean was there a day where you said okay here goes nothing i'm gonna put out a picture of myself was it the same process or um i honestly don't know why i started i think i was just like screw it like why not start talking about this because I feel like most of my life it was like a struggle a struggle to like talk about it a struggle to deal with it every day so like if it was such a struggle for me it's probably a struggle for other young people and like talking about it isn't gonna affect me it's only gonna help me um so I feel like it was just like why not let's Let's try something. The books and stuff, that wasn't even in my in my mind. I was just like, ah, why not? Let's try it. And yeah. I found this huge community on there that I had no idea existed. Like I was in the dark. Yeah. <laughs> I'll be honest. I had no idea. The, so it was really cool. The most amazing thing that I'm hearing you say is you were in this place early on, okay? you got out of that place where you might've been denial, might've had some diabetes burnout, oh, all the yeah, denial. And yeah. All the- <laughs> like I, I was in the same position at, at first, but you removed yourself from that position to be this, whether you think you are or not, this shining light on other people with diabetes that are struggling. And that, that is what really resonated with me when I saw your page is the things that you are putting out, the things that you're talking about, the things that you, 
your perspective of what you were doing, the fact that you were showing your diabetes, like talking about it, talking how much of a positive thing it was, the fact that you have these two books, like those things, whether you think it or or not, especially on young females, uh, is, is a very, very positive thing that I, I applaud you for. Wow, that means so and, much. Thank you. Well, let me Not give you. Cry. <laughs> let me give you my. Let me give you my own compliments, Stephanie, because your answer to me is also fascinating. Because we've done this long enough, over a hundred episodes, to hear so many different stories and perspectives of the disease and how they go about it. And mm-hmm. you made a choice, and you chose empathy, in a sense. You know, you chose to show people because listen to everything listen to your life resume you know you you have it all you've done it all you're experiencing it all but you're also balancing the the balloon of the balloon of diabetes so yeah we all have a balloon to balance though yeah yeah and and we do but to also add a platform and to add your story and to not seek to not seek monetary to to, you know anything you know monetary you name it from it at, at this moment is, is, is admirable. And I think we're all on the same mission. It's, it really is just reach as many people as we can with the things that we're saying, attitude, think differently. Um, you know, care, care about, care about how you look. I'm going to say it. I come out and say it on this, on this podcast all the time. I care about how I look. I care what I see in the mirror. I care about my exercise and I, and that the fun part is that matters to my diabetes, you know? So sure. yeah, anything we do, you know, what we put into our body, what we, how we move our bodies, like all of that affects how we look, how we feel mm-hmm. and our what, sugars. So. so on that topic, what are your, what are your chosen forms of activity and what do you do to keep yourself busy and hobbies and stuff like that? Whew. During the pandemic, I sat for 10 hours <laughs> a day. So <laughs> that was rough because I used to um, work out like, okay, so I started like really falling in love with fitness after I had my son, Nico. Um, So he's going to be seven, let's say seven years ago. I was like, wow, working out's great for diabetes. Like, and I feel good. And I'm starting to like, kind of like my body, like when I'm moving, like because of the endorphins and all that. So that's when my journey started moving. And I had two pregnancies and I gained over 40 pounds with both. And then the pandemic and all that. Um, So now my favorite form of exercise is weightlifting. Um, I like running um, in my backyard. I got a sweet backyard. (laughs) We moved in December. It has a little hill. Oh, nice. Do sprints up and down. And I probably look really weird to the neighbors, but afterwards they can't tell me anything because I feel (laughs) good. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Good for you. Good so for I you. run up and down my hill. I lift weights and just being active as a mom, uh, like taking my kids to the park and stuff. That um, is a form of movement too. So yeah, you. How about this you? is yeah. So I, I'm I'm a strength coach. Yes, I'm a strength coach. So I I try to work out every day, but I'm moving all day long. Uh, it's. Exercise is not part of my diabetes identity or my personal identity, um, but it is something that has is important to me because of what I do. Um, 
Graham, I love Graham's story because, and I love, this is why I love hosting this show with him because we are completely opposite diabetics, completely opposite on how we think about diabetes, how we manage our diabetes, how we eat, how we exercise, everything. Um, and it's when I first met him and realized this, it really opened my mind to the possibilities that every single person is unique and different. And I think that's super powerful. And as soon as I heard you say you should do strength training, I was like, mm, yeah, yeah, because more people need to do that. People don't realize the importance of strength training. There's so many, there's not just diabetics, but there's so many people out there that just like to run or like to cycle or like, you know, whatever, swim, which all of those exercise, all those activities are very important and very good. But also we need to be moving external loads to help with our bone density, our muscles and all that type of stuff. So I'm glad you're doing that. Sure. And the older you get, the more muscle loss you can have. So, you know, I want to be strong <laughs> for my kids. So, yeah, you got three, you got three little ones to be and, moving around and run yeah, around and with. Lifting, and Lifting weights is really fun. Like when it becomes a habit, you're like, wow, like I want to do it. Like it's fun. It's not like a duty. It's not something we have to do. It's something that we start to crave. And it also helps with stress. Like it's our, it's my way, like after work, like I have a long day, I'm not going to lie. And after work, like if I lift weights, everything, all that like wearing and stress kind of yeah. just melts away. Yeah. And I'm like, I did something for myself. Like, there you go. Damn. <laughs> I feel good. That's good. That's good because we all don't, we don't do enough for ourselves, especially, I just, I just, I, I, I want to give you so much props for that because so many other people would just come home after a long day and get right to their kids and not take care of themselves. So I think that's a very important piece. Were, were you being told and fed the information of how valuable in, uh, exercise and activity is leading up to starting by your specialist? Really? No. Um, I mean, now I'm learning, but I, I think like having diabetes, I had this weird, like not body issue, but I didn't love myself. Sure. Um, so I think starting to move my body and work out and then I found weights in the gym. I mean, just planet fitness, but like I started like going hard with the weights and I just realized like, wow, I can change things that I'm not completely happy about. And like, it feels really good and it helps with stress. Like there's just so many, and there's endless benefits. So that's how I started. Um, but now online, I see all these diabetic weightlifters from all over the world. And I'm like, yeah. wow, like yeah. this is yeah. a whole thing. And, and even bigger, Stephanie, tell me how, tell, you'll, you'll laugh at this. You weren't even fed that information. That is my number one. And Ken knows this. If you ask me for one success for diabetes, that is mine. Exercise. I would, and I would honestly, we even begged, I would beg to put it before anything else. And the fact that you weren't even fed that information is, 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 is absolutely insane to me. And it shows, it shows how different, you know, diabetes education will, will be re even regionally. You know, you're from Pennsylvania and we're from Ohio. We, we touch our states touch and you weren't even educated the same way. So. Yeah. Also nutrition. Um, if we could kind of segue into that, I was always told oh, yeah. low carb is best. Like even in pregnancy, I saw a nutritionist and I 
love nutritionists, love them. But I just kind of sat there like, is she for real? She was like, eat bacon, Splenda. If you have coffee, I was like, what? Like, no, what are you saying? I was like, I I think I have to leave right now. I, I listened. I was respectful. But what she was saying was just not how feeding my body nutritiously like that. It doesn't sound and look like that. Um, so we all have to go on our unique journey to find what works for us. Um, I like to follow like a little bit of mastering diabetes. You guys yeah. are familiar with that. Like yeah, of course. eating like lots of fruits and vegetables is what makes me feel good. But I mean, if I want to eat fish, I'm going to eat it. I'm not going to be strict with anything. And I think being strict and depriving your body is not healthy at all. Um, no matter what diet or pathway you choose to go in. But so, yeah. So sometimes with diabetes, uh, people will feed us things that may not work for us. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's an interesting piece. And I get, I get really angry and irritated with the whole nutrition piece as being from the health and wellness space, because we're fed all these things about diet and, I guarantee you talk to a hundred diabetics, 90, probably 90 of them say when they were first diagnosed in the hospital or with a nutritionist or a dietitian that's part of the hospital and not in private practice told them to eat low carb because that's, that's, that's what the medical field is telling us to do. Um, for some people that works for other people, it doesn't work. And one thing that, really resonated with me when I started even looking at something like mastering diabetes is the fact that they were not restricting the macronutrient of carbohydrate where every other medical professional is basically telling you to do that. Not everyone, but most, a lot of medical professionals are telling you to restrict carbohydrate load. Sure. And this is something that is really irritating to me because the other part of this is the word diet that I don't like. Because diet isn't something that's sustainable. It has a start and stop date, right? You start it and you're going to stop it at some point because it's not sustainable in your lifestyle. So I love the fact that you're talking about whole foods. You're talking about eating fruit. You're talking about these things that has sustainability. That is a very important piece when you're looking at what type of nutritional platform that you want to follow, whether that's vegan, whether that's keto, whatever, whatever it is. I'm not a dietitian, so I can't sit here and tell people what to do and what not to do. Sure. Um, but my recommendation has always been you need to eat as much whole foods, less not as much processed foods, and not get added sugars, added fillers. Look at your food labels. Done. That's easier said than done, but um, that's the first part of it. Sorry. No, you're good. All. <laughs> So I totally agree with you. Um, The one thing that I, I didn't like with mastering diabetes when I read the book personally was that it was calling the foods, red light, yellow light, green light mm, Feel like for young people that could be um, a little, it could kind of mess you up because let's say you ate a lot of red foods one day, are you going to feel bad about yourself? Are you going to have that guilt 
are you going to go binge eat a whole lot of food because you had oil? You know what I mean? So I think, but that comes with learning and that comes with growth and loving your body. Um, but the book is really amazing. And there's so many, so many great books out there for people yeah. living with uh, diabetes. Let, yeah. let me slightly play devil's advocate and describe a situation to both of you and tell me if you've ever been here and related to this, because I love this topic of the no carb. Okay. This happens to me all the time. And I'm just going to make an I'm just going to use these two food examples as an analogy. I'm hungry. I only have 10 minutes because I'm a working person. I walk into the kitchen. I open the fridge. There is a banana and a chicken breast. It is just so much easier for me to reach for the chicken breast, not have to take insulin, not have to bolus and go on with my day. My thought when I see the banana and I only have 10 minutes and again, I'm hyperactive, but it's like, oh shit, now I got to take insulin. Then I got to recheck. Then I got to be watching it. What if I'm in the middle of a meeting and my blood sugar goes low? You know, what if I start feeling like crap? I got to get up. Do I have things in my office to, to help me? Is that, where does that, where does that play into the daily stuff? You're laughing. Where does that, I'm going to throw that ball at you. Where does that play into that advice? So again, I know I'm playing devil's advocate, but I, I don't, I don't think I'm, I love this. Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead, Steph. You, you can, okay. I'd love to hear your perspective. So for me, I'm going to grab the banana because I know that's going to give me immediate energy that I need. And I know that because I'm eating like this morning, I ate fruit, like I'm going to burn through that fruit quickly um, if I don't eat other like other foods with it. So if I'm eating like a high fat meal or anything that has a lot of fat in it, yes, I will spike and I'll stay high. But if I just eat that banana, I'm going to have great energy. I could do a workout. I could teach all day. Like I can do a lot of stuff with that energy and I'm not going to have problems because um, it's, it's a food that's, that comes from the earth. I'm going to burn through it fast. It's not processed. So that would be my answer. And since I have a CGM and a pump, it's really quick to bolus. Like I just pull it out boop, 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 and I mm -hmm. go on my way. Um, yeah. But again, it's not the same for everyone. Uh, real yeah, quick, ahead, Ken, before, Ken, before you answer, do you bolus for fats and proteins, Stephanie? Fats and proteins? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, so like, yes and no. Okay. <laughs> Let me explain. <laughs> so <laughs> if it's yeah. like a high carb, high fat, I'm going to do a different type of bolus. So I'm okay. going to do like an extended bolus. Mm -hmm. And yeah, I might give myself some extra protein. Uh, it depends what the carb is with the protein. So if it's like a protein powder, which I do occasionally use like vegan protein powder, um, I'm going to bolus for the carb, not necessarily the protein. Okay. Sense? In yeah. my analogy, would you bolus for the chicken breast? I don't eat meat, so I wouldn't reach for the meat, just the banana. Okay. <laughs> Got it. All right. Yeah, this is this has so many things to unpack, and it, I love this. So when I stopped eating meat, I could think so like yeah, I wasn't foggy. So so did you I, stop I eating fish though? Did you stop eating meat when you started doing mastering diabetes, or was it I, before that? I read the book, and I was like, 
Yo, I'm in. Okay. Uh, <laughs> cool. All right. Here like, we go. There we go. Done the meat, and I lived with, you know, people that ate meat. So it was really tough. Yeah. But I was just like, I'm all in. And I did it for a few months. And then I was like, okay, so I'm going to take all this information and I'm going to adapt it to my life. So I don't have to follow it to a T, but I'm going to, you know, follow it. If, if I go off of it, I'm not going to freak out. Like just, I'm like a flexible mastering diabetes person. Yeah, <laughs> that yeah. makes sense. Cause yeah, I yeah. fish, I love nuts sometimes, but like, I'm balanced. So yeah, absolutely. makes total sense. Um, that was, I was just interested in if you stopped eating meat because of mastering diabetes or what. So that's, that's, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, so to answer your question, Graham, okay. I could go on for days and days about this, but I'll try to keep it short and sweet. So the way I think about it is me and Stephanie are going to go for the banana all day long. Right. Um, because me, this for the same exact scenario and reasons that she's giving, because it's it's natural. I don't need to really probably bolus for it, depending on what I'm actually doing, because that's the other piece that you have to think about when you're thinking about eating this banana is what are you actually doing? Right. If you're taking that banana and going back to the desk to get back on a Zoom call, get back on a meeting, you probably have to bolus. But for me, if I'm grabbing that banana going right back out to the training floor to train people and do and do sessions for three hours i, I don't need a bowls for that because it's, it's not it's just going to bring me up a little bit and then probably come right back down so uh those are the things that i think about with that bowls however uh depending on what i'm doing i might get the chicken breast because it because i don't need a bolus for it um, depending on how big it is, if I'm eating a big piece of chicken breast and I'm only eating that, I might need to, not need to bolus. But if I'm eating carbs, maybe I'm eating the banana and the chicken, right? Then I might need to bolus for some of that protein, right? So these are the things that, that we have to think about. Um, the other thing I was going to say with this is you brought up the thought process of you have to take time to bolus. You have to take time to take insulin. And with you, that makes total sense. Absolute 100% sense because you're on MDI, right? You don't, you're not on the pump. For me and Stephanie, that, that, that's not a, that I don't believe that's a really good argument because it literally, like she said, it takes two seconds to bolus yeah. for whatever you're doing, right? Where you, you have to get your needle, draw out your insulin. Okay, now put it in, like... That, that could be a, a 30 to 60 second thing that might mentally take too much time. Um, so I totally understand that piece. I get it too. Yeah. I feel like each way works. Like if you're going to grab the chicken and shoot up a needle, like that way works and the banana works too. Like both ways are great. Like, it just depends, like, which way do you feel, like, how do you, how do you want to go? Like, do you want to eat the low carb? Do you want to eat the high carb? Like, what, try both, see what works for you. Like, Mm -hmm. for everyone, it's different. Yeah. I think the other interesting piece with this is adding in more to this scenario, right? There's a banana, some potatoes, and, uh, and some chicken, right? So, 
Now what are you going? And and the and the the potatoes is is just like you know a cup of potatoes that's not going to be sixty grams, right? It's going to be twenty five, thirty, thirty five grams, and probably probably about the same amount as that banana in terms of how much insulin and or how many grams are you actually going to need to cover for. So this is the other thing. If I'm an endurance athlete, I might take the, the potato, right? Because I need more to last for longer. If I'm going into a high intensity workout, I might need more than that banana is going to cover me, right? So these, this is a really good conversation because it really is individualized and for each unique person and based off of what their activity level is. Because I, sure. I bring everything back to what the activity is. Yeah. And not only that, but if you have like an aesthetic goal, right? You're an adult and you're going to the gym for a reason, like fat loss, muscle building. If you want to build muscle, like you need to eat. And like women, I think, especially forget that they're like, oh, like I'm cutting carbs. I'm eating salad. Like, how are you going to build your arms up? And I mean, yeah. I can't really talk right now. <laughs> like, how are you going to build if you're not eating all those carbs? You know, like we have to fuel our bodies. That's, that's what's why it's, energy. That's, that's why our body uses fuel of three macronutrients, fat, protein, and carbohydrates. That doesn't, our ba- body doesn't just use protein and carbohydrates or protein and fat. It uses all three and it utilizes all three in a specific way to to get you through whatever activity you're doing right so that's why this whole thought process for me of low carb doesn't make any sense especially coming from someone who trains athletes because carbohydrates fats and protein are all vital for that person's success to compete at a high level sure so go ahead stephanie you have three kids Mm -hmm. what you have three kids right yeah. What yeah. could they, what could they tell you or what could they tell a stranger about diabetes? Oh. And furthermore, what is their, how do they view you? And like, how does your family and your husband, what is their relationship with your diabetes as well? Okay. So I'll start with my husband. Well, he's my fiance. I call him my husband. Okay. Congrats. Okay. Uh, congrats. Thank congrats. You. We're going to get married next summer. So yeah, don't, you don't need don't need to rush it. Don't need to rush it. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a video the other day on uh, some social media and it was like joking about like how wives are so naggy and like it said, no man wants to get married. And I, was I like, did you see that yet? I and can't believe you're saying, listen, I can't believe you're saying that because no, I didn't see it. My wife just texts me those videos. And okay. those are the those are the things that she texts me throughout the day is those little snippets of those things about people complaining about marriage. But yes, go ahead. Yeah, we can't live with each other. And we can't <laughs> without each other. Yes. Um, but he had no idea. So he's from Caracas, Venezuela. He hadn't he came here. He's, you know, an adult male extremely intelligent, speaks two languages, no idea what type one diabetes is. He meets me on our first date. I'm like, oh, by the way, here's my insulin pump. We just ate. I'm going to get myself. He's like, what's that? Mad props Um, to you for telling him on the first date that you're a diabetic. Mad props. I didn't want to, but I felt like 
you know, I, I want a good, re- I was in the mindset of like, I want a good relationship. I need to be an open book. So yes. I'm be an open book. If it scares them off, he wasn't meant for me. Good there for you. Go. So good for you, girl. Open with it. And he was like, wow, like it's really interesting. Uh, and he was extremely like, uh, he wanted to know more. He was really interested. So that was like, awesome for me right because I found someone who was like supportive um and he has my Dexcom on his phone so he (laughs) he sees everything there's no hiding (laughs) my blood sugars sometimes at night he'll like wake me up and be like hey babe you need to eat some raisins so he's very helpful he would say that it does affect um my life um I don't I try not to like burden or bother my family but they always know what's going on um they see if my mood changes or if i have to stop and be like guys i'm gonna make my dinner before i make yours like just letting everyone know like they know what's going on um my kids so aiden doesn't really know anything he's three he knows i have the sensor and stuff um nico he's seven and Leo's 11. So they know more about diabetes. They would probably say like, you know, my mommy has type one diabetes, but it doesn't affect her life negatively. Like she just has to work out and eat healthy. That's what they think. So. That's awesome. And I've read them the book that I wrote. Um, I wrote a book called a thriving diabetic and I read it to them and they were like, it's a cool book, mom. Um, I like the questions and they were like, is that you? And I was like, yeah, that was me when I was younger. It's kind of like my story to help other kids, I hope, um, and maybe teach people about type one diabetes and they, I love it. they support me. They love it. So, yeah, that's awesome. Um, I want to, I want to pivot back to, back to something, um, kind of going off of what Graham just asked you being a mother um, with type one and not having any children with type one, how has, ha, ha, has that affected you? Um, talk to me about like your perspective of that. How do you go day by day? Like when you have lows and have to treat it, like what's your mindset with all of that? Kind of talk to me about that. Um, lows actually don't bother me as much as highs. I'll start okay. with that. Um, if I'm high, I just feel like, like my mood, I'm just, I don't feel like myself when I'm high. I feel like, and I tried to explain this to my endocrinologist before, like, I just feel like more annoyed by everything. Like if Mm -hmm. my kids are being really loud, I'm like, guys, please. (laughs) Um, so I try to like, not talk, (laughs) like take care of, like give myself insulin, move my body a little. Like we have stairs in our house. So I'll run up and down a few times or do jumping jacks or something. Like my goal is to like get my blood sugar back to normal, drink a lot of water, um, whatever I can do. Uh, same in my classroom when I'm at work, I'll be like, guys, Mm. we're going to do a brain break. Come on, let's go. I love that. A brain break. That's awesome. Yeah, we try to do something together. I'm like, ah, Mr. Rita's blood sugar is kind of going up. I got to chug some water. And then when you leave the room, you're going to drink water too. Like I try to involve my students or my kids. But with lows, 
very rarely do I get a low that like knocks me down. Um, so I'll just, my favorite thing is just raisins or like an apple um, for a low. I don't, I don't feel like it, it affects my relationship or anything going on with my kids unless I'm not paying attention at all to diabetes. Yeah. Then yes, it would kick me on my butt. <laughs> would you have low blood sugar performance issues speaking in front of a classroom if your blood sugar was 50 though? You couldn't you couldn't sit there and keep talking, right? I do. Really? That girl. I only had one I think one time last year I noticed my speech was a little off. So I said, "Okay guys, um it's time it was like guided reading time, so it's a time where your students read to you." So I was like, oh, perfect. I was like, we're going to get in our reading groups. Everyone got in their groups and I just ate and I took notes on their reading. And, you know, if it, if I felt worse than that, I would have just texted my coworkers or my principal. Um, They all know I have diabetes. I'm very open. Um, Like I said, I worked in my school for, this will be my sixth year coming up. So Everyone, like, we're family now, so I feel really comfortable wow. explaining, like, yo, my blood sugar's low. Can someone cover for me? Sure. So care of this. Um, yeah. 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 Thankfully, I haven't had any emergencies um, at work. I feel like the worst would be if you're driving, then you got to pull. Totally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for uh, sure. But yeah. Uh, these these days, I'm in my mid thirties. Anytime I have a Zoom meeting, if we do a podcast recording, the absolute last thing I would ever do before that is take a correction because Mm. I have to focus on the task at hand. It's the conversation. So if I'm 170 and slightly rising, I don't think by the end of the conversation, I'm going to hit 200. So I can, you know, um, yeah. So I, so in that sense, and I know, you know, it's the worst when your blood sugar is dropping and, you're trying to have a, an intelligent conversation and mm-hmm. you're like, wow, am I making sense right now? Help yeah. me. <laughs> it, and- it happens. Or uh, at home, I noticed the other day I was doing one thing, like a task, and then I started doing something else. And I was like, my blood sugar, like I couldn't complete that one thing. And I started another, like, yeah, yeah, that wasn't me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, plays tricks on us. My my energy is very much bottled up, so it has an expiration at the end of the day, and I've noticed that about myself. And that that bottle will very quickly empty with a with a good with a good low blood sugar, and I will do everything I can to avoid that throughout the day. Yeah. If it happens in the middle of the night, I honestly I couldn't care less. You know, if it happens while I'm winding down, I, I don't want to go to bed low, but it's not a big deal. But you know, while I'm while I need to perform, let's call it. I, I don't. Yeah. You prefer to stay a little bit on the higher side. Of Not even. Yeah. 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 Sure. Yep. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, I have a, I have a, I don't know what your time frame is, Steph, yeah. but I do have one more question that I think that a lot of female moms would female moms or females that are about to be moms. Um, you might have a really good perspective in this is, if you feel comfortable enough talking about your pregnancy and being diabetes, how did that go? What things happened in, in that scenario? Do you, 
and being diabetic and being diabetes, he said, and being diabetic. Did I say diabetes? <laughs> yes. Must be going low. No, it's okay. Am I going low? Sometimes I, I check I your talk, blood sugar, Ken. I notice I talk backwards sometimes, and I'm like, I hope people don't notice. And I, I'll type something, and I'm like, that's backwards. Am I writing in Spanish or English? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like the house red. No, yeah, <laughs> red house. Oh, um, okay, so. Pregnancy and diabetes. So with Nico, when I first found out I was pregnant with my son, Nico, uh, my blood sugars were not good. And when I went to the doctor, they were like, yeah, you're going to have to, you know, come in for extra tests. Um, uh, especially towards the end of pregnancy, I was in my gynecologist every single week to get the I think they test the baby's heart rate. I don't recall what the test is called, but I was in there a lot. <laughs> um, Nico, of course, I was high in the beginning, but I ate extremely healthy. I, for me, I mean, health is what you what everyone thinks. It's individualized. Yeah. But for me, I felt like uh, eating a lot of nutritious foods was how I was going to have a healthy baby. I made the mistake and I don't want anyone listening to do this. Don't Google type one diabetes in pregnancy. Just talk to a medical professional that you trust because I did that. And I read terrible things online and people who had horrible experiences. And I remember just crying at my computer for hours, like what's going to happen to my child. But then I said, you know what? It's all in my mindset. Like, that's not going to be me. No way. Like I'm going to drink my spinach smoothies and eat my blueberries. And, and I was eating meat at the time. So I tried to eat a lot of like healthy, like lean cut pieces of meat. Um, I did my best. I took walks every day. Um, and I tried to live a life. Um, I was teaching at the time and I tried to live a life that was, um, as stress-free as I could make it. Um, but yeah, definitely don't read things online Yeah. Uh, <laughs> unless it's like positive uplifting things. Sure. Read that. But yeah. there's a lot of negativity, uh, with Aiden, um, I was living in a different place closer to family. So I had a lot more help and support. Um, and my blood sugars were a little better with Aiden. I wasn't on a CGM with in either pregnancy. So I really think that if there is someone hoping to get pregnant or who is currently pregnant, a CGM is like essential. I really wish that I had one because then you can adjust your insulin rates and get your blood sugars tighter or more in range, they call it. Um, that would have helped me a lot, but I didn't have that at the time. And my babies were both born healthy because I focused on movement and I focused on eating as healthy as I could. Also, I took like prenatal vitamins and I tried to do, you know, the right things. And I think everyone who gets pregnant tries to do the right things. Yeah. Just listen to your body, drink that water, you know, do what you can. With yeah. What you have. That's awesome. Thank you so much for being open and sharing that. Um, can I, can I, can I, can I ask yes. her something and yes. make a comment? Okay. No, 
No, you cannot. <laughs> yes. All right. Here, here. Closing comment to our to all the listeners. They didn't notice that I got up and moved. I'm sure Ken and Stephanie. I'm very obviously sitting in my daughter's room, which you didn't notice was the only chair I can find in here was a, a little mini child's <laughs> chair. So my butt, my butt hurts so bad. It is you the art easel behind you. It's really cute. Yeah. <laughs> Um, there's some pink over there you see that over there? i know i know you guys would be like where did he end up i put we moved recently and i put the router in here and i've been having issues apparently only on these zoom calls with you guys so okay stephanie i always like to ask a closing question okay this will be a good one for you is there a perfect video length when you are watching a video so like you're on youtube a video pops up or something is there something too long is there like a length that's too long that's a disqualifier for you because i'm kind of more of like a three minutes and under like i'm a fast and move i'm a stick and move kind of person like do you invest in these long 10 minute videos or are you more of a like you do the reels and the things like that you know am i missing something with these 20 minute all of a sudden all the videos are 20 minutes and things like that i think it depends what it is like if it was like a diabetes topic i would probably put it on and listen not so much watch it, but I think our society today likes fast things. Like they're like, oh, seven seconds real. That's the new thing. And you're like, what? And it's like, blur, blur. It's like <laughs> I didn't I even get that. Like, I got to watch it 10 times just to get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, oh, a hundred views. That must've been me. Um, but yeah, I think our society is just everything's so quick and speedy. But I mean, if it's someone giving valuable information, like say on a nutrition topic or a, a medical thing, like we're going to listen. Okay. okay. So yeah. here's another way. Sorry to cut you off. I want, let me reword it a little differently. If, if you had, like you're saying a topic and you searched it in YouTube and the results popped up and you had three minutes, four minutes, five, six, like, is there something that you're, are you reaching for a video length? Cause you want that content faster or do you still stick behind your answer? Like, if maybe enough people have seen it and it's, it's, it's valuable enough information, you'll, you'll, you'll listen to it. Hmm. <laughs> Ken, do you have, do you, I mean, do you, while she thinks, do you, do you have an answer to that? Do you think about that when I, you're watching a video? Um, it, it goes off of two thought processes. Do I need to, um, do I need to get this information fast or do I not need to get this information fast? Right. Mm -hmm. Here's the example. I was looking for a question that Stephanie on Canva for Canva the other day. It's like, I didn't know how to do something. And I, I YouTubed it and there was like a 50 minute like tutorial. And there was like a five minute uh, <laughs> uh, on what I was actually looking for. So of course I picked the five minute one and not the full 50 minute tutorial. Um, but there's also things that I want to watch like a, a movie trailer and it's five minutes or whatever it is, like a, a whole clip of movie trailers or, yeah. or things like that. I'm just like, okay, yeah, I'll, I'll sit here for 10 minutes and consume this for, for 10, 15 minutes. It's not a big deal. Um, so I think it depends on the situation. It does depend. I mean, sometimes we watch like two hour movies, right? So it depends like what you're looking for. If you're looking to, I don't know, learn about, um, a diet that decreases inflammation in your body or something like that. Maybe there's like 
50 videos that someone has and they're all five minutes long, you could watch all those or you could watch one video with all the information in one. Yeah, that's another uh, good point. Yeah. I think, I don't know, maybe I'm old school. I would, I would like to watch the longer videos um, or listen at least while I'm like folding laundry or cleaning because, you know, that never ends as a parent, does it? No, it does not. <laughs> Do you guys do you guys want to know the last thing I YouTubed? What? How do I guarantee I'm washing the middle of my back? Really? <laughs> because there are various, well, listen, there are various ways of approaching it. And I broke my shoulder. So my thought process is always like, is that one middle spot really getting hit with the upper and the lower and the reaches and the you know what I mean? You guys know that? You know yes. that feeling? You need to get yes. a loofah. Like on a stick. Yeah, there you go. You know, and that's the funny thing. The obvious answer was things like that on YouTube. And I was like, I'm trying to think outside of the box here, people. I'm trying to like take <laughs> I want someone to take like a coat hanger and like and like wrap it in like foil and then you put it uh, an old towel and like I'm like, yes, but yeah. You crack me up, dude. You crack Stu me up. Stupid, I know. <sighs> Yeah, well, um, Stephanie, this was awesome. Yeah, this was great, Steph. Um, <laughs> if people want to follow you or get in, like, want to reach out to you, how do they connect with you? Um, so on Instagram, I'm thriving.diabetic. That's my username. Um, and on there, you could find my blog, links to my books, and then um, some silly reels and things like that. So come check it out. Nice. <laughs> Nice. Yeah. I've, I've, uh, spent a lot of time on your page. Like when I found you just looking at things and I love what you got going on. So you're doing a great job. And so what much. are the, what are the names of your books? Um, so a thriving diabetic is a book I have, and then I have, um, a diabetic log and I made a journal, um, for people who mostly for kids or like young teens who, are having trouble like accepting diabetes. So it's a journal with like check-ins and spots to write. Someone gave me a book actually when I was first diagnosed and I was writing like what was going on, what I was thinking, how I was feeling. And it helped me a lot. So I made a journal for kids kind of going through the same experience that, you know, we did. Yeah. I love we it. We had the pleasure of talking to a bunch of kids this week and every single one of them had gone through denial and uh, burnout. It was pretty wild to see the amount of hands go up. So good for you. Yeah. That's an important topic with the youth. Yeah. yeah. And burnout doesn't end. I feel like, you know, there are weeks, I don't know about you guys, but there are weeks or days where I'm like, Ooh, I can't catch a break. Like, why am I high or why am I low? And why is this going on? You know, we can still experience burnout, even if our numbers are good, like technology fails and life happens. So uh, it's important to, you know, befriend people if you have diabetes on social medias and things so we can share ideas and help each other. Yeah, that's yeah. awesome. That's awesome. So, um, yes, Stephanie, thank you so much for doing this. I'm so glad I found your page. I'm so glad we were able to connect. Yeah, um, it was great. Thank you. Yeah, my pleasure. Uh, stay in touch and or stay in touch and we'll have to get you on again sometime and, and just just catch up and see how everything's going. Sure. I would love to talk again with you guys. It was really fun. Yep. Yeah. Thank you. 
So nice awesome. to meet you, Grant. You too, right. Stephanie. Nice to e meet you. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Have thank you guys. Yep. You guys have, have you guys. a great have a great day, Steph. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks, guys. <laughs>